Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome. This is the Podcaster Community Show, short conversations that are not just about podcasting because I like to take the scenic route. My guest today is Mark Tweddle. Welcome, Mark. How are you? I'm good. Welcome. Welcome to you too. It's great to see you. <laughs> it gets interesting. Welcome to your own all, podcast. <laughs> yeah, double-ended virtual. It's like, I don't know, you're not at my place. I'm out of your place. Who's welcoming who? <clears throat> um, yeah. I, as with every conversation, watching the clock tick, I'm always, oh, there's so many things I want to pull on. Um, let's start talking about work. Uh, and I mean like the work of creating podcasts. So I, I we were talking before and I think you made some great points about um, let's say the pressures that are now being put onto, I'm going to say the engineering department of audio podcasting lens. I think you made a great point about how engineers, the people, you know, in the headphones, you know, in a sound booth, you know, editing audio are sort of being drug kicking and screaming into the internet. <laughs> I always say drug <laughs> into the 20th century, which is not the current one, drug into the 20th century to learn how to use these tools. And, and maybe if you could, can you share with me the story that you kind of highlighted when we were talking before about how you mix together, like what I'm going to call real audio engineering skills of one person with a team on your wife's podcast show? Yeah, my, my wife's podcast is um, it's actually the names of the three hosts, which is unusual in itself. There's three of them. So Ferguson, Harrington, Hawks. And the challenge of that was because um, there's three of them plus a guest. So when it became <laughs> how do we edit that, it was all put on to Neil Harrington, who has this um, wonderful uh, audio production company, Source Productions, that's S-A-U. CE and he was struggling as how, how do they how do they collaborate because he lives in the world where he's the guy with the headphones and the um and doing all that kind of technical work whereas me I'm not the purist so I'd been using this thing called Descript which gives you a transcription a, a kind of rough transcription especially when you've got a Scottish accent a very rough transcription <laughs> and then you edit the transcription and then that directly sorts out the audio so so Neil was not interested in that at all, but where it became really key was Descript's ability to publish a page on the internet with that transcription and audio so that everybody could comment on it. And then that allowed them to collaborate together. Um, initially, he was kind of skeptical about it, but what it gave him was, my wife is a brilliant editor as far as story, like my wife and I, that's what we work in. We work in to do using storytelling for coaching and for um, team building. And so um, she would be able to look at how the episode flowed, mm. decide quickly what needed to get removed, just highlight it on this page. He'd get all the time codes. It, it, he just then had to follow the notes. And then they brought in uh, Chesney as well, because he he does the music. He does this w weird thing with music where um, the guest gets to choose a song that affects them emotionally, and then he'll do a cover for it. So he's doing a cover song for every, every episode. episode. Oh. And it gets them out of a lot of the kind of licensing issues as well. That's initially why they did it. But it, it, it creates an incredible intimacy. But then it means that he can, if there's something that maybe he said that he doesn't want to go further than... The, the people who were having that chat, then he can get rid of that as well. And just, they collaborate together. And then Neil found it so useful. He now uses it with his, with his real clients. He's got uh, for, you know, for adverts and, um, and other, you know, 
professional podcasts that he does for other companies. So I don't know if that's, I mean, I'm sure that's what Descript was intending that was for, but I have always, um, so I don't personally use Descript. I've, I've seen it, I've been inside of it, but I haven't, it's not a tool that I'm using. Um, but everybody that I've heard describe it so far, and this is just the gang of podcasters that I'm running with, everybody that I've heard so far has always used it as, I'm going to say a power tool for their own use. And like power tools yeah. are great until like you slip off the screw head and like hit yourself in the leg with the screwdriver, you know, like you can do a lot of damage with power tools. And <laughs> I think it's a wonderful um, point or a wonderful story that you're sharing about maybe this tool that I know I have had pigeonholed in my head as power tool for me to manage audio. Um, maybe there are tools, other tools that were uh, misusing is the wrong word, but can you think of any other well, places where in podcast space, maybe we're using the wrong tool for the job or we should try picking up a different tool? Well, actually in that one, we also discovered a thing where one of the guests, everybody was so enthralled with the conversation. They didn't notice that he did an awful lot of, he touched his microphone and stuff. And so they mm -hmm. had all this sort of additional yeah. noise that was to be getting gone rid of. And, um, Neil was, distraught with it because you know it was the best conversation he really wanted it and annoyed with himself that he hadn't noticed while they were listening because he was so enthralled with the conversation and all the tools that he had there was none that he could just flick a button and get rid of this stuff he was having to get rid of every click every whatever and deal with them individually and there was it was just too much um for what is a, essentially a, a non-paid gig right um, and what i did was put it through descript's um, studio <laughs> sound and it it cleaned up most of it please in, fix like, button right <laughs> yeah done <laughs> and that was it gone uh, and he magic. was he was amazed at that one as well he was like I, I think that's what made it easier to actually get him to do the collaboration side of it he then started to see there was there was something else in this because he couldn't he couldn't get in his head was um or he struggled in his head with the fact that you know he'd, he'd spent thousands and thousands of pounds because he's in the uk on tools to to fix audio and makes everything sound the way he wants this to fix it so how could this you know 15 dollar a month to mm. fix it for you <laughs> yeah i mean tooling right there uh there's a proverb or an old adage about you know you can tell how good a workman is by how good his tools like how he treats his tools not necessarily does he have the most expensive set but like you know does he treat his tools respectfully although my father who was a professional mechanic on elevators for his entire career used to tell a story about a guy that you know like a, an old grizzled elevator mechanic but my father was a greenhorn and my father shows up, uh, elevator mechanics bring their own tools. So my father has all these shiny new tools and this guy basically has like a bag of junk. And when he gets to the job, he literally just upended his tool bag on the floor and then like started picking through stuff. And he's got like bent screwdrivers, just like total. I mean, it's mm. junk. And my dad says to this guy, like, how, what, I mean, how are you supposed to, and this old guy looks at my dad, he's probably smoking a cigarette too at the time, looks at my dad and says, Anybody can fix it with the right tools. It takes a real mechanic to fix it with a peach basket full of shit. Yeah. So you can spot a good, you know, craftsman by how he treats his tools, but there's also something to be set for skill, but uh, I'm off on a tangent. One I was thinking was, you, you know what yes. it makes me think of is my friend, Dave, who, uh, when he was living with his own parents had his, had his toolbox because he was working on a car and stuff. And he actually had a padlock on it that he wouldn't give his father the key for. Because he knew that his, <laughs> that was, his his father's the kind of guy that would start paint with an adjustable wrench, you know? right? <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> end the problem, not the handle, right? But the I put the good yeah. end in this. Oh god! 
But when you mentioned thousands of dollars of tooling, I my thought ran to I purchased um, the whatever the pro version of Hindenburg, which is not thousands of dollars, but it's it's like hundreds of bucks. And at the time, I kind of hovered over the buy button because I thought, but when I bought the tool and actually spent some time learning to use it, I don't use it most of the time. But every once in a while, something weird happens, and like the knowledge that I have far outweighs the money that I spent on the tool. So what I'm thinking is, um, is it Ferguson? You, I don't know if that's his first name or his last name, but Ferguson's skill set is probably like way more valuable, certainly to you guys, way more valuable than the tools. So it's just that that whole like sunk cost. Like, yeah, to get these skills, I had to learn. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Neil, Neil it's Neil Harrington. And yeah, his skill set and his understanding of audio, like they, they just did um, three live uh, recordings in front of an audience at the Edinburgh mm. Festival, and and so that sort of skill set is what comes in. And you know, he he um, prior to doing the audio stuff, he was a DJ, so he he just has that full body of knowledge yeah. around audio. That's in that, yeah, yeah. And and the same goes for you know Chesney Chesney Hawks, who's um, a kind of UK pop star. He um, his ability to do covers of a ridiculously broad range of music mm. is out of this world i mean one one guest obviously didn't realize what they were asking wanted him to do bjork uh, <laughs> you know you've got <laughs> <it>. <laughs> he did it he managed it he pulled it off i was i was just amazed that 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 stuff has been um quite illuminating as to how that works and when they prepared this is, this might be useful for other people when you get that because it's a big step to go from what we are doing right now which is using zencaster and and seeing each other over online to actually sitting with an audience and running a show for an hour mm. and and part of the preparation that the, these guys did was they um they decided they would run these zoom calls and record three episodes um, as if they were live, so that you could get the structure and the flow, no, including smart. including Chesney playing a song live. And Dress so, rehearsals. so they yeah. did that, yeah. And they did that with each of their partners. So, so I did it as a guest, and then Chesney's wife, uh, and then Neil's wife did it. Hmm. Um, and and that was really interesting watching that. And watching watching the panic in their eyes as they're, they're trying to try to deal with the time, mm. trying to deal with all that stuff. And I, I'm, I'm waiting for my, my wife actually comes back on Thursday, so I, I kind of want a full debrief as to how that worked mm. when the audience was there. Did it did it just the time just disappear and the and and the whole thing just happened, or mm. like what, like what was that experience? Because I, I have no idea what that would be like. And the one who was most um, scared of it in a way. Was Neil because he's he's an audio guy. Chesney's used to standing up in front of large audiences. Right. The show That's must not go on, right? Yeah. yeah. My my wife Len Ferguson. She's she's very used to being. She's a stand up comedian. Does all sorts of performance type stuff. And she was doing a. She's been doing a play all about storytelling. You know, for the for the for the period after that. So that wasn't that wasn't the problem either. It was just. For him, like, where's my part? What's, what do I do? What do I provide? Because I'm normally with the making sure everything's recorded. How do I? How do I deal mm -hmm. with that? Um, 
And that was all misplaced as well. That's the other thing that I would say is completely misplaced because he's the guy that always does the research. He always does the pre-planning and the understanding who is the guest, what are the big areas that we might want to um, yeah. like look into. Pre-planning, not... Uh, am I going to say this on my podcast? Pre-planning, pre-planning is not always my wife's best... <laughs> You know, this is going to be out before she gets back. You're in big trouble. <laughs> I don't need to tell her it's on. And podcast discovery is almost impossible. She'll never find it. <laughs> is that a challenge? I, I think you, there's a great point buried in, in there about, um, you know, the Pareto principle, the 80-20 thing about like, and, and so for me, um, sometimes I'll, I'll say to people, I'm willing to do almost anything. There is an asterisk there. I'm willing to do almost anything to be able to get to the part where I can press record. I, that's what I want to do is the part between record and stop. That's my, that's where my passion really lies. Um, yeah. but before I press record, I'm willing to do a lot. Like I'm willing to spend like an hour doing research on every single guest and I'm willing to like pay for the tools. And then I'm also willing to like, I don't know, let's try all these random stuff to do. Nope. The way I was doing it was the least worst way to do it. Keep doing that. Hmm. And I think that that leads me into, um, I, before we were talking, I asked you what came to mind around podcasting. The first thing you said after a little delay was work. And that led me to, to like poke a little bit at like why your podcast season one ended. Like I know it ended in December of 21. So like nine, eight, nine months ago. And we started talking about why you didn't restart and you actually have the next six episodes are at some various level of existence. And this whole discussion of like work and like when to call it good enough, this brings me back to, so like what oh, would yeah. it take for you to buy into pressing publish on season two? Yeah, I'm, I'm almost entirely bought into publishing season two. A couple of things happened dur during that time. One was I just got tired and our business kind of took mm. off and I didn't have the time. And the longer I left it, the more difficult it was to come back to it. And then I had a fantastic idea. Like this is this is blow your mind. Oh, you have that Amazing problem. Amazing <laughs> idea. I had this great idea, which was that my twenty-year-old son, I teach him how to edit, and he could edit my podcast for me because that's the bit I don't want to do. I I like this bit. I don't like the the, the bit after. I'd like the bit before because I love to research. There's not a there's not data or information I've never, a piece of data or information I've never loved. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I love to do the bit before and I love to be like here and present and now. I love that bit. The editing, not so much. And I thought, I'll get Fergus, our youngest, Fergus Tweddle. So I'll get him to do it. It took him two weeks. No, three. I think it's three. <laughs> and... And um, and and really, all he'd done was remove the ums and ors, and and I think he I think he was halfway through doing that, and I showed him in Descript that you could remove it with one click, and he and he kind of wished he'd he'd done a bit more looking into how the tool worked, mm. and that 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 really put me on a stall at that point, but then he also told me that it was actually good that he enjoyed listening to it. He hadn't really heard me that way. And he thought that, that the episode was interesting. So I was kind of stuck. And I then have been helping other people with their podcasts, often to do with how to distribute them through Stubstack or helping Lynn with her podcast. Or I'm also helping um, uh, Scott Smith do a 
an interesting podcast, which is called Intimate Fame. It's not out yet, but basically what he does is he takes a point in history. Um, and previously he would have written a play. He's a playwright, but has made these one person um, audio theater plays about that moment in history. So one, um, the f- we've done three episodes, uh, which is the first season, which is about, um, oh God, what's her name there? Wallace, Wallace Simpson, who was, you know, married to the king who had to abdicate. So, so that's the first one. I'm now helping him edit Edward. one about Marilyn Monroe, is that which is, yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> she, she calls him, she calls, you know, she talks about Windsor and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, so they have their own name for each other. Um, so it's dramatized, um, plays about just a sort of one point in history. And so the next one is Marilyn Monroe, which is, uh, that's the one I'm really focused on at the moment is Marilyn Monroe. And she did this, uh, three day photo shoot a little bit just before she died. Um, with this incredibly famous photographer and they just were together for three days and nobody really knows what happens, but he's renowned for sleeping with his subjects and, you know, renowned for drugs and bad behavior, but also the best kind of photography for, for Vogue. Um, and so he's picked those, those things and he's got this kind of thing plotted Mm. out. There's going to probably going to be James Dean and, um, Elizabeth Taylor and you know there's 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 all these things and that's kind of interesting because it's not that usual kind of mm-hmm. I'm used to host on mic or interview yeah, type stuff. That you're more familiar with. So now I'm having to do you know theme music and also sound effects and making sure it all sort of times together. And so, 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 so I'm sort of scratching my head for all of the old <laughs> stuff I learned when I did um, video editing, you know. The video editing. If you think about, um, if you imagine season two being published, like let's, let's say it's just going to be a six episode, here you go, it's mm-hmm. a miniseries. If you imagine that being published, what do you think that having it be published would add to your uh, I'm going to say like your personal value of it. So there's a value in the creative work. There's a value in the hard work. There's a value in story. There's all these values about doing the thing, but what do you think having it be published would add for you? You know, I, what I am, and I think, I think this is probably what's stopped me from publishing. You know, that's a throwaway comment that I said about discovery is I'm very aware that I've published lots of things. I, I don't. I, I, I don't think I actually get much more from publishing it. There's stuff that is published that I've made. I mean, when when I did video editing, we did 450 YouTube videos in a year, right? I, I've I've put stuff out there. That's I'm not worried about that. Or uh, and there's not much more to be gained from that. What's really interesting for me now is how do you actually make sure it gets in front of the people that you want it to get in front of that's not necessarily a large number of people but it's it's the people that it would make a difference to so at the moment you know my my storytelling world our business i want people to know that everyone's a storyteller that our stories don't have to be structured in those seven different structures or or pretty much everybody uses the hero's journey every every time (laughs) that's right every time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, um, oh my gosh, is it the hero? You know, it's that's why you can't find anything I watch on 
Netflix because it's all the same story. It's all the same wild story. Wild Dead beat horse, right? Wild Dead beat yeah. horse. <laughs> yeah, and, and then and and what what I got from those six episodes, and and that's what I started to get when I started to re-listen was, you know, having a therapist talk about connection. And he he had a very different point, but she said connection is about self-connection first. So we do everything that we can get so that we connect to ourselves first. And then when we connect to ourselves, then we can connect to others. And I think that's a really good point. Mm. The musician, because uh, I had a Chesney f- for one of them, and he, he, he had some revelations as well about the theme of, of what story does for him as music. Because he, he, he tells his story in music. Um, and so, uh, like, really, what I, I do want to get these out because I'm quite proud of them, uh, and I think I got some really good interviews. But what I, what I really want to know is how do I how do I make it so that I can get it in front of people and people think it's worthy of listening to? That's that's the that's the bit. Like, how do I how do I get the people who really would gain most from it to find it and listen to it? And I have no idea on that. You know, you here, you've got, you got three seconds. Tell question. me how. <laughs> no, I have no clue. That's a great question. For everybody listening, all three people. Hi, mom. For all people. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think there's, that's a great, um, aside from a great place to end, that's also a really good observation. So um, I think uh, as much as I hate to say it every time, I think that's probably a good place for us to stop today. Uh, yeah. Mark, it was a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you one-on-one. We've been in a couple of calls. We've passed across a little bit here and there, but it was everything I hoped it would be to get a chance to talk for 20 minutes. So thanks for taking the time today. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's fun to, see, fun to spend this time with you.